0: This is episode 627 of the AWS Podcast, released on October 5th, 2023.
1: Hey everyone, we've made several big changes to how we provide podcasts to you, and of course we'd love to get your feedback. See the show notes for a link to a five question survey. I'll only take you a couple of minutes and let us know what you think.
2: This is the AWS Podcast. I'm your host for today, Jillian Ford. And if you want to view all of your data in one place and make it easy to share your data, then this is the episode for you. And we've got two experts here on the Amazon Data Zone team. So let's do some intros. So Shika, please introduce yourself.
0: Hi folks, I am Shika Verma. I'm the head of product for Data Zone and I'm very excited to share more
2: about it. And Amir.
1: Hi, I'm Amir Boror. I'm a
2: principal engineer on the data zone and looking forward for the discussion. All right. So let's talk about what Amazon Data Zone is.
0: Great. I can jump in there, Jillian. Thank you. Amazon Data Zone is really all about simplifying data management for our customers. We know in today's world, data is everywhere. It's in cloud, it's on-premises, it's in third-party data sources and SaaS providers. And what customers have been telling us is the data people in their organizations, which is data analysts, data engineers, data scientists, and data stewards, really want to use all of the data that is at their disposal. But they want to be able to get to it, get access to it, govern it, and analyze it in a consistent manner. So Data Zone is really focused on simplifying this end-to-end journey of finding the data getting access to it, and using it within your governance
2: guardrails. Sounds super important. And I've got another question. I know that all of my fellow super experienced people with AWS are thinking. They're like, wait a minute. We've got data lakes. We've got lake formation. And now there's data zones. So what's the difference? And maybe you can unpack how they work together. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Love to share that a little bit more. So just to step back a bit, uh, Amir and I actually have been customers. We have faced this exact problem when we were customers where we had data in AWS managed data lakes. So S3 based data lakes. We had data in Redshift, we had data in third party providers, and we had to create really mechanisms to bring this data together, not just from cataloging perspective, but also in order to drive the right access to it and be able to open up the entire set of data sets to the organizations that we wanted to open it up to. So what we have done is really built data zone as the pl- one place where you can catalog share, covered data. Across your data lakes and data warehouses. So, if you have S3 based data lakes, great. Amazon Data Zone is for you. You can catalog them and your users can discover data in your S3 managed data lakes using Data Zone. If you have Redshift based data warehouses, excellent. Amazon Data Zone is for you as well. And you have both, it's super awesome because this is one place where you can really look across your data lakes and data warehouses, which was really difficult until now. We use things like Lake Formation and Blue Catalog as underpinnings of the service. So none of that is, is going away. We are actually building upon the investment that AWS has made in these areas over a number of years.
2: Wow, that's really exciting. So, Shika, you were talking about cataloging. Can you unpack how does Amazon data Zone automate the data discovery and the cataloging and using machine learning to do that? Yeah,
0: absolutely. So. Cataloging is one of those things, which is, you know, it's a necessary evil for you to even understand where your data decides. But the challenge is when your data is everywhere in a different formats, in order to bring it all together, some poor souls have to actually manually enter each and every data source, each table, each column, and add business context to it in order for other data people to find it. So, for example, if I have five tables in a data lake, I would add each and every table, and I would say, oh, this table is meant to have this kind of data, and the columns mean customer ID and revenue and region and things like that. With Data Zone, we have built machine learning models which use publicly available data as well as data we procure to really train on industry data sets. So, for example, a financial customer can come in and say hey here is my data source these are the kind of tables and yeah i have 100 tables in here amazon data zone can actually go through the 100 tables and suggest business friendly names human readable table names as well as column names to uh, the customer and they can simply accept and say oh yeah that looks right so what this does for customers is that it saves them all that time that they had to manually enter each and every table and each and every column and add business metadata to it, we actually give suggestions and customers can use them or reject them as they see fit for that data set. And over a period of time, you can imagine, right, we will continue training this on more and more data. So it becomes more and more intelligent and gives you better recommendations on what these names should be so that your data people can find it easier. Does that make sense?
2: Wow, that is super helpful. I can imagine there's a lot of data people who are like, oh, that saves me so many hours of time. I'm very excited for them from hearing that. So now let's get more into data zone again, and particularly on governance. So how does Amazon data zone govern data um, access across your own organization? Let me take this one.
1: So let's take an example that we heard from one of our customers in EMIA. They had a sales campaign analysis that needed to use data in data lakes and data warehouse that was governed by different organizational units like sales, marketing, and finance. Um, the data can even reside in different regions. So Datazone address this uh, data access uh, problem by establishing three foundational concepts. We first introduced the concept of the project that represents the business context. In our example, it is the sales campaigns that are trying to run. The project also represents the permission boundary. So any member of the project can access the data that the project is entitled to access. If we're thinking about John and Linda, it doesn't matter if John is accessing through the campaign or Linda is accessing it. Both of them should be able to access the same data. The second concept is a business catalog where projects that publish data, that produce data, can publish the data. And projects that consume data can go and discover the data that they need in the catalog and subscribe to it, then get approved to the data, and then can access it through their tools. Finally, the last concept is a domain where those users can discover the data that they need, and then organizational units can share information even across the domains when you need to access data across large organizational units.
2: Wow, this is really good. So let's go into now really being able to collaborate with data. So all the people who are using data, whether it is your SQL skills, or you've got Python skills, you're a data scientist, how do all these people in a team actually be able to collaborate in Amazon data zone?
1: That's right. Analytics is usually a team sports. And Project is a way for you to connect all those different uh, team members together with their data and their tools. So sometimes you need people that have knowledge of ETL, others have knowledge of machine learning, and maybe even business intelligence. And you need to have that collaboration between them in order to produce the final product. You may need to first uh, do the data preparation, then do the machine learning, and finally present the results through the dashboard. So a project gives you one way of providing access to all of those set of people that you need. And secondly, project has a set of environments that provides access to compute and storage that is required to perform the analytics.
2: Great. Okay, another question that comes to mind that I want wanted to clarify. So the data itself, can that be in AWS and outside of AWS, or is it just for use cases with the data in AWS?
0: For any data that you have in AWS data lakes and data warehouses, like we mentioned before, you can discover, share, govern, analyze. You can do the full end-to-end life cycle of what you wanna be able to achieve with your data. But we're not limited to that. What we allow for is you can also catalog data outside of AWS through functionality that we provide. And you can register your data sources that are on-premise. You can also set up uh, processes for granting access to those using our APIs and the functionality that we make available. So it really becomes that one place where you can have access to discover your data across AWS as well as outside of AWS.
2: Oh, awesome. Yeah, that's really useful. So I'd like to understand really the workflow of how you would use Amazon data zone, because I'm sure there's a lot of people who maybe have large amounts of data, some maybe have small, but in different places, and maybe they're feeling a bit overwhelmed of, oh my gosh, I don't even know where to get started. I want to be able to view everything. So can you walk through the, at a high level, the process of how it really be to actually get started with really getting started with Amazon data zone.
0: Sure. I can take this one and I would please jump in. So what I would suggest doing, and we had great success of on this with the customers during preview, is think of an end-to-end use case where you want to catalog, discover, share, and govern a data owned by a particular business unit. Or you have data sitting in maybe AWS that you want to make easily available to folks outside your team. Uh, You want people collaborating together. So think of that producer-consumer end-to-end use case for one set of data that you have. And then understand what would success look like for you and who would be involved in making this whole story a success. Usually what we find is that customers were able to identify, oh, this data is actually governed by sales. So I need a sales engineer from this team to be able to put this data in data zone and make it available for consumers. So that's the producer side of things. And then on the consumer side of things, you may decide that, oh, this data that the sales engineer put in actually needs to be used by our marketing analysts. So you need the marketing analyst to have access to a project where they can request access to this particular data. Sales team that governs that data actually grants access to that particular data set, and then the marketing analyst can use it within the constraint of the project that Amit talked about with the tool of their choice. So think of that end-to-end use case that would mean success for you. And we would highly recommend start on a smaller scale so that you can test it out. You can figure out what people process things do you need to put together in your organization to really really make this a success for yourselves. And then once you do that first use case deployment, then you can easily expand into other domains and other lines of businesses.
2: Yeah, that, wow, that's really good. I want to get more into, because we were talking earlier about Redshift as a use case and then S3, and you want to be able to view the data in both places. But what about with like glue data catalogs and lake formation? Can you unpack that aspect a little bit more?
1: Yeah, let me take this one. So the first category is technical catalogs, where technical catalogs were designed for basically query processor analytics systems. So you, when you run the query, the SQL engine can go and fetch it from the catalog, the schema, and, and process the query and then get you the data. Business catalogs on the other side are meant for humans. So they are meant to allow the humans to go and discover the data that they need and find where it is even in the organization. And humans usually describe, you know, find using search, using business terms, using free language text search, and they also need to establish their trust in the data. And that's what the business catalogs are there for. So in the first category, the technical catalogs, you can... Find Glue catalog or the Redshift uh, schema, and even others like RDS and other databases, and so on. Datazone provides the business catalog for humans, and allow you to establish the discovery experience for people that are looking for the data before they even use it. Once you establish that this is the data that you want, you can request access for it, and then Datazone will establish you a link in your technical schema. To allow you to do the query uh, that you need uh, for it so that's how they they operate the last category is the permission enforcer which is where lake formation plays and also uh, redshift and some other databases and also apache ranger if you look at it open source that in that category they basically enforce permission and they can decide who are the users that can access the data, and what part of the data they can see. And that data zone is using that services underneath to establish the permission access.
2: Wow, that's really cool, the the use case of working with uh, open source. So I know there's a lot of people who are listening, and especially now that you're really talking about the, I guess, use case really with open source, that they're probably thinking, okay, I could just maybe build this myself using IAM and Lake Formation, for example, to do that before. So if there's someone who's listening and they're trying to decide for themselves, should they go out and build it themselves or should they use Amazon Data Zone? Can you help them think through what's the right decision for them?
1: So I know a lot of people that have built this, this uh, themselves. I was even a customer that have built one of those systems myself before uh, joining DataZone. And I know that this is a hard work, especially with the diversity, the variety of different data sources and different systems and different tools. And you keep needing to chase the next data source and the next permission system that you need to do and so on. So if they already built it because data zone was not there, I I understand them, kind of the the usage that they're doing it. But if they're starting from fresh, I think that this is a non-differentiated work that they're probably going to gain a lot from using an AWS
2: service with a long lifetime and support that we will provide. I mean, it makes sense to me. I'm, I'm sure that there's other features that these people could be building on instead of having to build just the, the view layer um, using with all their skills. At least that's the type of advice that I like to give the startups that I work with is really thinking about what are the most important features and should you really be building this or not? Or can you just use a managed service that can save you a lot of time? All right, so I'd love for each of you to share some parting advice to people before they get started, um, if they're trying to really think through if they should be using Data Zone, or they're, I'm sure a lot of people here. I, I'd be convinced of like, I mean, this sounds like it'll save me a ton of time. This is a, better than building it myself. What are some advice that you would give them before they actually go and get started using it?
0: Let me share a couple, and I know Amit has a couple as well. So the first thing I would suggest, again, is uh, think of that end-to-end use case that would define success for you. The first success for you, we would be, we are happy to help you out if you're just getting started. AWS account teams are equipped to answer your questions on Amazon data zone as well. But think of what would success look like for an end-to-end use case of cataloging, sharing, governing, and analyzing your data across a set of producers and consumers. Maybe it's a line of business or a business unit-focused use case. Maybe it's a cross-collaboration use case. Think of that first. And then, of course, as we mentioned earlier, you can start small and get success in a small use case and then expand to other areas. There is a people process part of this as well. As we mentioned before, data analytics is a team sport, and oftentimes you would want to work with a variety of folks and leaders across your organization for something that is that goes across lines of businesses, but use that small first use case to guide your next steps and prove your use case out. And after that, I think it, things become a lot easier is what we have experienced with customers.
1: Yeah. And I'll repeat that. I think that you need to start small with a single business unit and a few use cases. A lot of people that are trying to establish the business catalog are trying to kind of boil the ocean. They're trying to standardize all the terminology across the entire company. They are trying to basically make sure that all the data assets are inside the catalog and so on. The way we've designed data zone is that you can actually start with smaller domains with smaller business units. And as you evolve and mature, you can actually connect those domains into a data mesh and share data between those domains, which means you can start small without trying to centralize it in your entire company, get some momentum, get some value, and then continue to grow it and share data farther and farther away inside the organization.
2: Well, that's exciting. I'm excited for a lot of people. I mean, people who have small sets of data, or maybe they've got large sets of data. They've got data all in AWS. They've got data in multiple different places. Sounds like there's really a path forward to helping them be able to save time, be able to view all of their data and collaborate more easily in one place. This is awesome. Thank you so much for being here on the AWS podcast. Thank you. Thank you
1: so much, Jillian.